The children of uh, the church, the youth and the choirs, they're all going to um, proclaim the gospel to us in a very meaningful and wonderful way through readings, reflections, uh, and we get to participate too by singing the hymns. So this will be very, very exciting. Um, in terms of the announcements for the, the coming week and next Sunday, uh, you've, we've, they're all listed in the bulletin, and uh, you can um, uh, read them at your leisure. And Pastor Karen here has the um, youth news that uh, will come out from time to time in the bulletin like this, and you can, uh, we can chart the progress the youth make. Uh, in, their, in their Bible studies and all the good stuff they're doing. And I'm very proud of them and Pastor Karen for working so diligently together. Um, there will be a healing service tonight uh, at 7 o'clock here. Um, and, you know, last, yesterday we have the manger scene up. Yesterday we were thinking the Finnish uh, congregation had their Christmas worship uh, yesterday. And they, they tried really hard to teach me how to say Merry Christmas in, in, in Finnish and just gave up. They thought, there's no way this guy's going to learn. And it's true. Uh, but we were going to take it down. And they said, no, please leave it up. And they absolutely just loved the way it was set up. And, and, it was, and so hopefully you feel the same way about this, uh, our manger scene. Um, so at this point... Uh, we're going to light our altar candles, and as our acolyte comes forward, and you'll have to navigate around the, um, uh, the manger here, uh, as our acolyte comes forward, Kensington, and yeah, Karen, Pastor Karen, and Ken, yes. Oh, yes. All right. <laughs> Christmas for Darfur that we made last year, um, thank you, um, are available in the narthex uh, following the service. For those of you who got them last year, you know it, it was wonderful. Our choirs, soloists, groups, our soloist group, praise choir, we had the children of grace singing on it. It turned out just beautifully. And for those of you who weren't here last year, it's a really nice keepsake. Um, put whatever donation is on your heart for each of the CDs. We've got about uh, 30 or 40 of them left, which is amazing. But it's like, this is the time of year that we should be uh, revisiting right. that. So um, it's a wonderful Christmas gift and just something wonderful while you're baking cookies, trimming your tree, just having it on or in your car. It's just a wonderful reminder of our Christmas season and the reason for the season. And then and also just a wonderful legacy of all of the wonderful talent that we have at our church. Thank Great. you. Infant holy, infant lowly, for his bed a cattle stall. Oxen lowing, little knowing, Christ the babe is Lord of all. Swift are winging, angels singing, Noel's ringing, tidings bringing, Christ the babe is Lord of all. were sleeping, shepherds keeping, vigil till the morning new. 
story, tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, praises voicing, greet the morrow. Christ the babe was born for you. Christ the babe was born for you. The last two Sundays, we lit the first two candles on our Advent uh, wreath. One was the candle of hope. The second was the candle of peace. Today, we light a third candle, the candle of joy, the pink one. In this season of Advent and Christmas, there we see a lot of joy, the joy that Elizabeth felt when she conceived and bore John, and the joy that Mary felt when God chose her to bring our Savior into the world. But Jesus spring, uh, speaks of another kind of joy, that bring, or another event that brings joy and rejoicing to heaven. He said, I tell you the truth. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Luke 15, 7. I pray that during this Advent season that we at Grace Lutheran will cause great rejoicing in heaven because we have been moved by the gospel to admit that we are sinners and repent. Let us pray. All loving God, we open ourselves to you, trusting that this is how you have made us. You created us for jo with joy-filled hearts and lives. Show us the creative power of hope. Teach us the peace that comes from Jesus. Fill us with all kinds of joy that cannot be contain contained but must be shared. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you, that we may walk in the light of Christ forever. Amen. Amen.
invite you now to stand if you are able. We worship today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed is he who comes as king, who comes in the name of the Lord. I will hear what the Lord God has to say. Peace for all people and for his friends. His help is near for those who fear him. Blessed is he who comes as king, who comes in the name of the Lord. Please join me now in praying the prayer of the day as found on the screen or in your bulletin. Let us pray. Lord, hear our prayers and come to us, bringing light into the darkness of our hearts. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated, and I'll ask our first reader to come up. Isaiah chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 then Isaiah said hear now you house of David is it not enough to try the patience of men will you try the patience of my God also therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel here ends the reading Grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and from Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. The first of our readings today is in Isaiah. We begin with a prophecy, in promise, in the hope of a Savior to come. We begin with an invitation from God. Ahaz is given a wonderful opportunity. He's invited to ask for a miraculous sign that would solidify God's promise to him, that he and his army and his people would be saved. Now you see, Ahaz was king of Judah at this time, and he was fearful. Plans had not gone well. Half of his army had deserted. They had joined a different side, and the people of Judah were greatly afraid. But the Lord spoke to them through Isaiah, and he said, Don't fear. Don't tremble. Don't worry. In fact, things are going to be fine. And to prove that they're fine, you can ask me for any miraculous sign, as low as the depths of the grave or as high as the highest heaven. Ask me for a sign and I'll give it to you. But Ahaz won't. 
because his fear takes over his faith. And he responds, I won't ask. I won't put the Lord to the test. And we might be thinking at this point, good for him, right? Good for him. We're not supposed to test the Lord. But then we get surprised because Isaiah chews Ahaz out. He says, hear now, you house of David. Isn't it enough for you to test the patience of men? Do you have to test the patience of my Lord also? What Isaiah is saying here is that God has offered something to him. God has reached out his hand and offered a sign to Ahaz and to his people. But Ahaz rejects it. He refuses to take God up on it. You know, he doesn't know how to ask. He doesn't know what to ask for. Maybe also he's stuck in a faith that doesn't allow God to do something new. He's so frozen when God offers a new thing. Ahaz had put God in a box. He thought about God in one way, and he wasn't open to any new thing that God so desperately wanted to give him. But you know what? Even though Ahaz made that mistake, even though he was in folly, it doesn't stop God. And that's the amazing part, because God gives him a miraculous sign anyway. Through Isaiah, he tells us about the most amazing miraculous sign the most amazing thing to ever happen, that there will be the birth of a little baby from the womb of a virgin that would radically change their and our relationship with God. As we approach the days in which we celebrate the birth of our Savior, let us now take stock of our faith. What new thing is God offering you this year? Our Lord is reaching out to us all the time. And even when we don't respond, you know, he goes ahead and he provides us with miracles anyway. He provides us the miracle of his son, born to a human girl, and not just any girl, but a young virgin. Do we see, do you see the awesome and mighty power in that miracle? Do we see God's outstretched arm offering us signs and wonders? Or do we become like Ahaz? Do we wrap God in a box, put a pretty bow on it, and stick it under the tree with the sweaters and the toys? Do we limit him? God so wants to offer us more. And even as he does offer us more, we see that in the manger. We see a little boy, a helpless babe, who carries with him, he carries with him the limitless power to save the entire world. I'll invite our next reader to come up then. The reading is from the first chapter of Luke. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him, for generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary, a girl child, probably no more than 14 or 15, has been visited by the angel of the Lord. Not just any angel, but Gabriel himself. She's told that she will bear a son. So many things must have been running through her head. A son? Me? What will Joseph think of me? Will my marriage be over? What will my parents do? These are all things that we might think if we were in Mary's situation. But you know, we can't know all the thoughts that went through her mind as she traveled to see her relative Elizabeth. We can't know even why she went to see Elizabeth, except that God allowed an opportunity within that visit for something great to happen. In Mary and Elizabeth's meeting, the message that Gabriel brought from God to this young woman is confirmed because John leaps in his mother's womb at the greeting of Mary and Elizabeth. She is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she knows that the child carried by Mary is the Savior. So here now in our reading, what we get is an outpouring, finally, of emotion from Mary. The song of a child who will bear the Son of God. And you know what? It isn't despair over her situation. It isn't worry about how everything will work out. And it isn't anger. It isn't why me or I'm so young. No, it's none of these things. Instead, it's a song of praise. Praise that God is fulfilling his promises. Praise that she has been chosen by God to be his servant, no matter what. And she is at peace. And she is full of joy. What an amazing level of trust. What a wondrous level of faith. How much I feel I can learn from Mary. You know, Christmas, Christmas is a magical time. It's a time where things are supposed to be perfect and lovely. And yet life goes on around us, doesn't it? People are sick. People are in mourning, and it's easy to get angry at this time of year. Why aren't things better? It's easy to worry and to complain, God, this is not how it's supposed to be. Not any time, but especially not now. But you know, that's who we are. At our very core, we're sinful. We're turned in. We're blaming God, and yet at the same time, we're asking him to do these other things. And Mary easily could have blamed God for the difficulties that were created by her pregnancy. She could have cursed God. She could have refused to pray him. She could have even asked him to take it away. But she didn't, did she? She quietly and she joyously praised him for his faithfulness. She knew that in the child growing within her, that child was the promised Messiah. She knew that that little babe would grow up and be the light of the world, not just a mother's pride and joy, 
but a Savior for all to come. And she praised God in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of any fear that she may have had, in the midst of anxiousness and worry. All we see, in fact, all that we're told, is that she praised. And I don't mean to belittle the struggles that are happening, because God knows we have a lot in this congregation. And there are some of you who are struggling right now even more than most. You have heavy loads on your shoulders. But what I want you to hear is that you are not alone. Breaking into that anxiousness and into that worry and into those heavy loads is the Christ child, the promised Savior, born to a girl child, a girl who teaches us to praise. The reading is from the first chapter of Luke. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the handful of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. From Mary's song to Zechariah's song. We have learned from Mary how to praise God in the midst of situations that might seem dire. And now we learn from Zechariah why we praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. This is a very important sentence, and there are three words in it that are even more important than all the others. They are, he has come. You see, God could at any time snap his fingers, change everything back. God could take away all the sickness and the pain. He could put us back in the Garden of Eden. He could end the world. He could sit in heaven and do anything he wanted without ever mingling with us, without ever mingling with a fallen people who always reject him. And he could do all of that because he is Almighty God. But he doesn't, does he? He doesn't sit in heaven and hand out decrees and snap his fingers and keep himself apart. Zacharias says, He has come. God himself has come to earth in the form of a lowly baby. He has taken the form of one who must have diapers changed, spit wiped from his mouth. He must be fed and protected due to the frailty of his body. 
As he grows, he must deal with the growing pains and the bullies that tease. He must go through puberty, cracking voice, and gangly limbs. This is the form that God chooses to take in order to save his people. Our form. The form that God gave to Adam so long ago. The form of humanity with all its ups and all its downs. God does not stay above it, but he comes directly down into it, enters in, experiences what we experience as we live and as we learn and grow. And you know, this, this is the message at this time that we want to carry into the world. God became flesh. God came to us. What a miracle. What an amazing gift. But you know, how would we know? How would we know of that gift if the way was not prepared? John, Zechariah's son, has just been born. And in Zechariah's song, we hear not just that God comes to us, but that the way is prepared by a servant, another baby who will grow to preach the good news that the Messiah is come, that we can receive forgiveness for all our sins. John is the prophet of the Most High. He goes before Jesus, telling the people that the Savior will come. John does that for us, so that we know. But how will the others know? How will the people in our communities, the children in our families, know unless we prepare the way, unless we plant the seed? There's a small example, but it's a pretty heated issue, right? Do we say happy holidays as we meet people? No. No, we say Merry Christmas because without Christ, all we're left with is a senseless jumble of letters. Merry Miss. Just doesn't work without Christ. We are called to tell others that the Savior of the world has come to us. He has sought us out, known us in every way imaginable. He has borne our sufferings and forgiven our sins. We have lived in darkness, but the light of Christ overcomes. And this is the news that we are to shout to the mountaintops and to share with everyone that we meet. So praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and he has redeemed his people. I'm going to now invite the Sunday school children to come forward for a little bit more of a traditional pageant. Um, We'll do the Christmas reading, and then they're going to sing for you. They've put a lot of effort and work into this, so please enjoy.
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, 
And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And we don't, do we? We are in the darkness of sin, and we don't understand why God would come to us, why God would become flesh, why God would die on the cross. We don't understand how it saves us. We don't understand the unconditional love it takes, or the mercy, or the grace. We don't understand how a little baby, humble and lowly, in a manger can be the savior of the world. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay that we don't understand because verse 5 of John chapter 1 can be translated in a different way. The Greek allows for the phrase to read, the darkness has not understood it, or the darkness has not overcome it. And either way, it's true. What we don't understand will never, never overcome the truth that is the light of this world. And Jesus Christ is that light. He shines in the darkness of our failure to understand. And he provides us with faith. The word instills faith in us. And we no longer have to comprehend the hows or the whys, but we can just simply bask in the warmth and glow of the truth that is the Word made flesh. You see, Christ's coming, Christ's action, the life found in Jesus is not dependent on us. It's not dependent on what we know or what we can understand. So in that, we can strip away all the traps of theology and textual criticism and the quest for answers or the need to explain miracles. Take it away. Because the Son, the Word, the one who is from the beginning, who is outside of time, who knows all things in the past and all things reaching far into the future, he carries the life within him and brings it straight to us. He is the light of men. He is our life, our light. And it is impossible. Listen again. It is impossible to overcome him. He is the one who creates 
and instills faith within us. He's the one who gives Isaiah the prophecy. He's the one who gives Mary the strength to praise God. He's the one who teaches Zechariah the truth and allows John to prepare the way. The word born as a little baby. He is the one who allows us to see him as more than a little infant in a lowly stable. He is the bringer of life and truth and light and faith. And so this Christmas season, let's leave behind trying to figure it all out. And may our prayer be that we are able to recognize God's hand as it reaches out to us. That we be able to praise God in the midst of trials. Know the truth of God coming to us and be able to go out into that world preparing the way and declaring with confidence the Savior is born. Amen.